Good morning. Uh, the scripture we're gonna, I'm going to base off of this morning is going to be in the fifth chapter of Revelations. And as I read this, just know we're not going to get in too deep with this. I'm going to stay on the surface, uh, so don't get too nervous. Um, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loosen the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open a book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book, uh, to, to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion mud, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints." And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and thou hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Um, that's going to be our focus for today. Uh, I'm going to come back to that here in a second. I'm Brother Benjamin Hemmings. Uh, I'm from San Diego Branch. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use myself as an example that I'm hoping to bring it to the rest of us and kind of turn it to the Lord. Um, it, I, I don't think I've been to the branch in several years. Um, but if I say that my name is Ben Hemmings, do I need to show anyone my ID? <laughs> do, can, can you guys take my word? Okay. All right. I'm said I was from San Diego. I know I don't have the tan. Um, but do I need to prove anything? Or can you, can you take my word for it? Okay. My brother said I was young in his prayer this morning. We're just going to go with that. Um, <laughs> but having the ability maybe even to speak up here, you know, having that calling that the Lord's placed, I mean, if I need to prove anything that I can preach the word of the Lord today, do I need to prove anything? Um, funny story, and I kind of mentioned this with Brother Jameson. Uh, I was ordained about three years ago. Um, and after my ordination, I... Uh, uh, I was ordained in April. At Christmas, I went home, and I went to the Monongahela branch. And we were there for Wednesday night service, and one of the members had requested prayer. And there was, so there was myself and uh, three others in the ministry from Monongahela that were there. And so I just got up and joined them in the circle. And uh, come April conference, one of the brothers came up to me, and he said, you know, Ben, you were at the branch. I didn't know you were in the ministry. <laughs> and so you just got up into the circle, and I just, well, should I say something? <laughs> should he be here? Um, it was like no one else said anything. Um, and so I just went with it. And so I hope you could just go with it. I can tell I've been ordained. Um, but, you know, there's times we take on responsibilities. And, you know, I think whether it's, you know, sometimes spiritually or maybe in the natural world, we sometimes we feel like we need to maybe prove ourselves a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not a gifted speaker outside of this calling. You know, I just I go and do I have to prove it at work a little bit. They don't always put me on the spot, give me the microphone, and whatnot. that's okay with me. 
But those, you know, if you've gotten a new job or you've undertaken new responsibilities, there's that sense that maybe I need to prove myself a little bit. I've got to show myself that maybe I'm worthy enough uh, to do what I was set to do, what I was maybe tasked to do. And that can be sometimes the worst feeling uh, that you can have. It adds a whole lot of pressure. It can make you uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it gets you to be very scattered and not do things as correctly or things that you may need to do. Um, but even just having the notion that I feel like I need to prove myself each and every day, it just seems like you're already five steps behind. Um, I, uh, um, I'm still slightly young, as our brother said. Um, but in my work, you know, I received this message on, on LinkedIn one time. And I, 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 I'm not always uh, a social media type of person. But I received this message one time, and not to, you know, not to put on myself or lift myself up or anything like that. But this gentleman had messaged me uh, from my network when I lived in Pittsburgh. I didn't even know who he was. And he started quoting things that I had put in my resume and said, in like quotation marks, and said, if you actually did this, tell me how you did it. And so I looked at this message, and I was just like, I don't know who you are. Like, why do I need to prove myself to you? You know, why, like, why do I need to explain myself? You know, even in times that we, um, you know, this gentleman may have been a very nice guy. I don't know. I didn't get into the dialogue. It just didn't seem like it was worth my time. Um, because circumstances will come up in life where it seems like we just need to prove ourselves. The individual that comes up that torments us, you know, um, will always see, like, try to get us to prove ourselves as far as where God has placed us in a specific moment. Um, but the point I want to kind of bring that to today is um, how many times do we turn to the Lord and ask, well, are you worthy exactly to bring me through the trial that I'm going through right now? You kind of maybe put the standard up to God and you know, prove yourself to me. You know, sometimes we actually make that stance. You know, I, you know if, if you're looking for, you know, there's sometimes, you know, thinking back to before I was baptized, I know I made those stances sometimes. Lord, if you want me to be a part of your church, give me that experience. And Lord, if you want me to be baptized, you know, what's, show it to me. And that's okay. You know, sometimes we go through those moments and the Lord will show us sometimes. And it'll give us uh, those things in life that we might need to kind of guide us on the path. Um, but what about those moments where we kind of just take things into our own hands um, and we don't even put God on the stance, we just kind of do our thing. And that's subtly saying, Lord, you're going to have to show yourself that you're worthy to take care of my situation because I'm just going to go ahead and lead the way myself. But part of that too, we need to look at as far as who God is. And that's quite an interesting question maybe. Have you ever asked God who he was? How did he answer? Think about that. You have? That's right. That's right. I was going to bring up that thought. You know, you can, obviously looking all through scripture, and one of the most notable, as a brother had mentioned here, you know, when Moses, uh, being called to lead uh, Israel out of Egypt, encounters the burning bush and asking the Lord, you know, how am I supposed to explain to these people that you're God? And he just says, you're supposed to tell them that I am that I am. I am who I am. I am the beginning and the end. And the author, the publisher, everything. We can put all those titles in. There's a lot of words. <laughs> but he summarizes it into that one simple phrase, I am that I am. And I will prove myself and show myself that I am their God that he is your God at the same time. 
And we kind of go through all these, you know, we can look through the Old Testament and see uh, all the stories. You might not even think about it, but just the interactions uh, between Israel, between Moses, Aaron, you know, David. And we get these characteristics of God. We can look back as far as the story of creation even. Sometimes we ref- forget that, you know, my, you know, I can look at myself. I'm a stubborn person. We were talking about that this week, and I'm a very stubborn person. You know, and my longing maybe for being with, you know, other people, you know, having that socialness, those characteristics, our ability to love, intertwined as far as who God is. You know, those characteristics that God has given us is a direct reflection of him. We're made in his image. It wasn't the, you know, the weird beard that doesn't grow in completely or the, you know, the physical features. It's the characteristics that God has given us that shows us a little bit more as far as who he is. Um, but ask yourself, ask yourself, ask him that question as far as who he is to you. How has he revealed himself to you? I think of a sister that um, I've grown up with, and any time that she kind of has a need, she says, Lord, I just need that small glimpse of you, and she finds a penny and is reminded as far as God's goodness to her. That's just one of her things, and it's so cool. And how that's kind of, if, uh, Sister Elizabeth call, if you ever get a chance to listen to her testimony and how that's weeded in through her story, it's absolutely amazing. But God will give us these little nuggets and these little things that kind of just remind us of who he is. Um, but even as far as, you know, we can look into this, even when Christ came into this earth, um, uh, you know, going into, you know, being, ta- uh, being born of Mary, born in the flesh, um, you know, there's times when God and Christ had to prove himself. Isn't this Mary and Joseph's boy? Like, why should we be listening to him? You know, in Matthew it says, you know, he came into his own country. He taught them in their synagogues. Insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man, whence hath this, man this wisdom and these minute works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother uh, called Mary and his brethren, James, you know, Joseph, uh, Simon, and Judas, you know, going through, their sisters are still like, we know this guy. He says he's coming down from heaven. What is that? Yet he still worked the miracles among the people, giving them more of a glimpse as far as who God was and that desire to bring mankind back into him. Um, So I ask this, you know, what is God's worth to us? And what is he to us? You know, I, I think about different aspects of my testimony. And, you know, I, I grew up very small branch, small town. Probably, I mean, I got in trouble a little bit. I'm looking at my parents to kind of verify that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I guess for me, a simple testimony. But I knew growing up into the gospel that I knew that I had a Savior that loved me and that this is where I wanted to be. Um, I think about stories, and I'm using my grandfather on my mother's side. You know, I was part of the church in the ministry. Decided to take an alternate route. Um, got involved with alcohol, and just life became a mess. And I remember um, when I was in high school, and there's another story I'll share a little bit, you know, I had some health issues, and I remember waking up after a surgery, and he's sitting there in the chair. You know, first thing he, I said after he left the room, I looked at my mom, I was like, what is he doing here? <laughs> but his life turned around. He came back into the church, reordained as a teacher. The mercy of God right there. We all have maybe similar testimonies here and there. You know, going back to that, 
you know, I, um, the health issues I, I had faced in, in high school, you know, my heading into my senior year, they found a, a, a black spot on my jaws, pretty cool. To my age, it was kind of neat. <laughs> Something was different, big black spot on my jaw in the x-rays. Um, but it set up for the next eight, 10 months as far as health issues, surgeries, getting this mass removed. It wasn't an instant healing, but the Lord was by me um, every step of the way. Um, and I, we can go on in thinking of different testimonies, but it's giving God glimpses as far as um, who he is and how he wants to draw us closer. Now, there's times when I know that the Lord has provided, but there's also been times that I've gone kicking and screaming too. And I'm sure that we, maybe we have those stories. You know, trying to maybe face in the reality that, you know, the mountains sometimes are just too high. I know I need to climb them by myself. It just seems like we get too focused on our situation, not thinking about as far as what the Lord can actually do. Because um, if you think about the base of it, you know, there's times and, you know, maybe there's, we forget our part of our testimony. You know, we haven't really had that moment when the Lord said that he is the I am that I am. We lose sight of that sometimes. But he still is. He's the God of all creation. This may seem like a very basic sermon today, but it's very true, and it's a very simple truth, that if we were to recognize that and attain to it, we're conquerors through Christ. There's nothing that will come against us. You know, this story, this image in Revelations, I use it, this very deep. Um, obviously, we can go into more of a depth, uh, depth of, a, of a sermon that might be one of those things you come back to. I don't think he's worthy enough to talk about that, and I'll, I'll definitely say that. Uh, but the part here was the fact that, you know, the seven seals and the seven spirits, um, regardless, you know, this is talking about kind of like the last revelation that these, this book is containing. Um, no one else is worthy enough to open it up. No one on earth, no one in heaven, uh, no one underneath the earth. But there's only one, and that's the Son of God. The one that came down onto this earth, hung upon the cross, taking every single one of our sins. And not only just dying, the most important part, three days later, conquering the, the grave and providing that redemption and eternal life for each and every one of us. He was the only one that was able to take the book and loosen the seals. So thinking about this imagery, there's no one else that can do this except for the Son of God that can take care of this. We read this song, you know, there's nothing that Jesus cannot do. Can there be, a, does anyone else have that testimony today? Thinking back, there's nothing that Jesus can do. We can raise hands if you want. It's okay, I'm not going to hold it against anyone. Okay, all right, no one is, that's fine. <laughs> but there literally is not, you know, any circumstances. You know, we've, um, even in the times when, you know, and I, I've been there. It seems like the nighttime is just a little bit too dark. It's been a little bit dark for a little bit too long. You know, maybe it's a little bit cold. Where's the warmth? You know, it's been raining for a very long time. Where's the shelter? You know, where is the reprieve going to be coming from? It's going to be coming. You know, we can look at examples through Scripture. You know, I am um, kind of going back to my testimony again. When I moved out here, um, Phoenix was like number two. And, you know, I was going to try San Diego, and then I was going to come here. Sorry, not to make it number two, but um, uh, just a little bit more prospects in San Diego, even though it didn't seem like it. Um, I moved out, uh, out, out to California and um, was going to give it a try for like a month. Nothing happened. 
uh, finally got a place to volunteer, not a job, uh, after a month and, and whatnot. And basically five months in, I realized that my unemployment from Pennsylvania was going to run out. And um, at the time, uh, my cousin Daniel and I were both out of a job. I was living in his bedroom. <laughs> and um, uh, we had spent a day fasting and praying at the branch because um, we didn't know where else to go. And um, spent the time in fasting and prayer on a Monday. Um, on a Tuesday, uh, um, I applied for a job. Wednesday, got a call for an interview. Thursday, went in for the interview and got hired that day. Started Friday. The following Monday uh, was a paid vacation. I got right away. It was pretty cool. But Tuesday was the day that I was planning on leaving. Like, there wasn't going to be any Phoenix anymore. Like, that was the goal. That things were that, like, took a turn for the worse. It wasn't going to happen. I needed to go home, and that's what happened. You know, kind of being in a moment, and if you have ever felt like this, where things just seem kind of stagnant, you know, even months later, God doesn't seem like he's using me too much. Has anyone felt that before? Worst feeling ever. Um. <laughs> Oh, it just seems like nothing's happening. It's like nothing bad, nothing good. It's like the worst. It's just like you're in a void. And um, uh, I've been there. And, you know, you kind of get into a point where you serve the Lord, but you start getting burnt, burnt out. And um, uh, the Lord had it, got, got me in a position, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess calling me into the ministry at that time. And I was like, well, he's carried me through so far. It's been a little bit of a void, but we'll just go for it. Um, later that year, I, I had a chance to um, uh, not only serve in that capacity in the branch, but then also in serving at our GMBA campout, a large campout that we have uh, in the church. And um, during that time, I got approached about a job offer. I was like, I'm not even looking right now. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't, like, it would be beneficial, but, like, I'm handling camp, doing stuff at the branch. I, I just, I can't do it. And, um, you know, I go in. This uh, individual had invited me in for a talk, and she says, you know what, Ben? Uh, I don't even know why I'm meeting with you. Like, you don't fit any qualifications. And I'm just like, well, then why are we here? Like, <laughs> uh, met her a week later. Uh, it was literally days before we were killing back for camp. And uh, she says, Ben, you're my guy. And I was able to quit my job previously while I was at camp. And just the way that the Lord had provided enabled me to do uh, more for him. You know, I haven't been uh, lame or blind. Um, yeah, I've been sick and I've been afflicted. Um, but I can attest to this song, attest to this testimony, um, that he can heal the lame and blind and all the afflictions of the mind. Um, as a sinner, he brought me out of sin. And even at my times, even now when I mess up, his mercy is still extended even to me. If it's extended to me, it's extended to you as well. You know, um, the prodigals, the ones that we think have gone out there and they're not coming back, he brings it back in. You know, I was reminded of that story a couple weeks ago and thinking about the story of the prodigal son. And not to go off on, a, on another uh, avenue here, but even just when this son, he was a long way off, the father was looking for him. If you ever feel like you're in that point where you're just kind of off and doing your own thing, you know, it's common. The scripture says, you know, even like sheep, we go astray. It's our very nature. We're supposed to kind of go off and maybe do our own thing. But even when we find ourselves in those moments and we think, well, maybe it's time to turn back or maybe it's time I got to maybe turn to the Lord here, you know, um, he's still looking for us because he knows that he is, was worthy enough. 
He knows the value as far as what his son did. He knows what the price that it paid for each and every single one of you and me. And I'm sure that he would do it again if he needed to, and again and again, but it, he doesn't have to. The price was paid. The sins even that you might commit years from now have already been paid for by one simple action, through Christ dying on the cross and conquering the grave. There's nothing else that we have to uh, worry about. There's nothing else that we feel like we have to take care of with our own hands. A lot of times it's just taking a step back and saying, Lord, I can't do this. Please come in and fix my situation. And guess what? He's going to be there. Right in that moment, he sees that broken heart. He sees that contrite spirit. He sees that notion, I just need to surrender. And he's going to be right there faster than you can even imagine. He can show himself to thee just like he did at Galilee. And he can make our life completely whole. And he alone can save a soul. Just like I mentioned, even with the sister I'd mentioned, there's, he's willing to show himself. He's willing to give you those nuggets. He's willing to give you that testimony. He's willing to give you those experiences, but you've got to seek them. You've got to look for them. You've got to put yourself in a place where you can find them, too. It's one thing to find them or seek for them. I can ask for a lot of things if I never leave for my, my apartment. You know, I can hope that I can someday get groceries. I can hope that I can do my job. But if I stay in my apartment, I'm not going to do any of those things. We've got to step out on faith. Want the Lord to use you? You might have to do something different than what you're doing every single day. Want to serve a little bit deeper? Want to get him, know him a little bit more? Sometimes we've got to stay, take a step over the boat and take a couple steps out to the water. We've got to put ourselves in those situations. And the Lord is going to provide. The Lord is going to bless because he has shown himself worthy. It's all up to us to recognize that he was worthy. That can be so hard sometimes. Like I said, the mountains sometimes seem very steep. The valleys seem really low. The darkness seems very thick. But he's worthy enough for us to trust him, uh, to trust that he's going to take care of us and provide for us and care for us. Um, like I said, we can get into Revelations a little bit more deeper some other time. Um, but I hope you get the imagery. There's only one that's worthy. It's not our spouses. It's not our friends. It's not our family. It's not me. Just because I come up here on a Sunday, you know, I wasn't the one that did it. <laughs> it's only Jesus Christ. Um, we only help ourselves here and guide each other and, you know, lift each other up. But it's only Jesus Christ that can do any of this. So... Keep that in mind. I hope that you feel uh, blessed and maybe inspired. Do a little bit more. Trust in him. Because there's no one else that we can trust in today. Circumstances change. You know, reasonings change. Foundations for beliefs. We look at it in the news and things we see in the world. Always change. But one thing has always remained certain, and that's Jesus Christ. Keep that as your foundation. Keep that as your refuge. Keep that as your strength and you will be able to conquer anything. May God bless you. Good morning. Um, I felt that the Lord had given me a message yesterday, and, and I felt to prefer our brother this morning. When he started in Revelations, I thought, wow, was I off. 
And then as he wove his sermon, or as the Lord wove his sermon, I thought, wow, are we connected. And the message that the Lord gave me yesterday was, what are you sure of? And so when he thought, when he went into Revelations, I thought, oh, he's going to restore the gospel and all this in his sermon. Um, so this week I was traveling. Last Sunday we were in Michigan with our grandchildren. It was minus 24 degrees. It was so cold they canceled church. They didn't want anybody to go outside. And it was, it was nice on Sunday. I was playing with my grandson, and he says, Papap, you know tomorrow is Martha King's birthday. And I said, you mean Martin Luther King? He said, well, his too. <laughs> but we had a wonderful time. Thank God uh, Sharon and I traveled safely. And then we were home one day, and I had to go to New Orleans for work. And so I've been there all week. And uh, at one of our sessions uh, this week, the former mayor of New Orleans got up to speak. He was the mayor during Katrina. And uh, he started to speak, and I started to feel the spirit of God. And he said, you know, sometimes, and this is where I'm connected to you. When Ben said, sometimes the dark just seems dark too much or dark too long. You just think, how did I get here? What am I doing here? And where is the Lord taking me? What is going on? Now, you, not, you might not be in that situation today. I pray that you aren't. But at one point in your life, you will be. Something will happen, and it'll be so surreal. The mayor described that New Orleans is a city that is ascending. I'd never heard of that. He said, because we were taught a lesson on August, and he said the date in 2005. He described the one section of the city, it's called the Ninth Ward. And he said, the Ninth Ward is one of those places you don't go unless you live there. And it was already a challenged location before Katrina hit because of the socioeconomics, because of the lack of opportunity there. And he said even it was built on a 150-acre landfill, and they had tons of chemicals in this Ninth Ward part of the city. And 49 of the known chemicals were causing cancer. And then Katrina hit, and it was the lowest part of the city, the Ninth Ward. And he said, all of a sudden, life changed for the whole city of New Orleans. He said, because what happened was we started to learn things that we should have known but forgot. We realized that uh, we were all the same. He said, I remember I was out in a boat trying to rescue people, the mayor of the city. And he said, I pulled up to this one house, and I said, come on, give me your hand. And the guy goes, whoa, you're the mayor? He said, not today. Today, I'm just your ride. Today, I'm just like you. He said, literally, we were all in the same boat. And a little bit of humor, he said, he, he went to this one old gentleman's house, and he said, come on. And, and he, he was really having a hard time getting him on, in the boat. And he thought, why would this man not evacuate? So he said, I couldn't help myself. I said, sir. I have to ask you, why would you not evacuate when the governor told you to evacuate? I'm the mayor. I told you to evacuate. Why did you not listen? And the guy looked up and said, we learned a long time ago not to trust you politicians. 
he said the next lady that he rescued, he said, I'm good friends with her to this day. Her name's Margie. And he said, now you have to understand, in New Orleans, we have a culture, and, and we don't want people to be offended by this culture, but we call each other honey and baby. My wife is constantly yelling at me, stop calling AJ honey. He's not your honey. He's my kid's age. So to me, I call everybody my kid's age honey. And uh, he went up to Margie's house, and Margie had to crawl through her attic, make a hole in the roof with a saw, and get on the roof. And he, he pulled up to her roof, and uh, he says, uh, Honey, why everybody's got a bag full of clothes, and you're carrying only a clock? Why is that? He said, she got in the boat, and she said, baby, right now I ain't sure of nothing. I've lost everything I own in this house below this roof. My deceased husband's ashes are down below. Every card he ever sent me is down below. My family's photographs are down below. I ain't sure of nothing right now, but I, I can tell anybody what time it is. She said, I felt I needed to be sure of one thing. And he did her accent much better than I did. So I'm asking you today, what are you sure of today? What is that one thing that you are sure of today? That's, where I, that's what I got out of your message. We've had people in scripture, Moses, standing at the Red Sea. I'm not sure what's going to happen. What happened? Somebody tell me. He parted the sea. Not Moses. The Lord. And I think it's 2 Corinthians 12th chapter, 5th verse, or, or 9th verse. My grace is sufficient. And what, Brother Pete? It is made perfect in your weakness. You see, when we are in the darkest hour, where we, where we say, as Brother Ben said, the dark's too long, it's too dark. That's where the Lord comes in. That's where he rescues. I'll never forget Austin's sermon about Jehoshaphat. I love that name. Love to say it. Jehoshaphat. It's better than Joseph. It's Jehoshaphat. They were in trouble, weren't they, Brother Austin? And the Lord said, I know the armies are coming against you. Put your singers out front. What? Put the singers out front. They put the singers out front, and what happened? They won the battle with the singers. That, that doesn't make sense. Paul and Silas, they're in jail. The Lord delivers them. Oh, wait, I, I don't have to go to Scripture. Where's Sister Donna Dante? There she is. Sister Donna, how many times did your heart stop on the table? More than 10 times. More than 10 times her heart stopped. And they were telling the doctor, call it. She's gone. I believe, Sister Donna, the Spirit of God entered that room. And I believe that doctor, under the power of God, said, I can't stop. 
I'm going to bring her back. Who or what are you sure of today? When I went to New Orleans, I, I know one person in New Orleans now, just one, because the ones I used to know all moved to Tennessee and joined our mission in Tennessee after Katrina. They wanted out. There were about six or seven of them. They have one son that was left in New Orleans, so I called the one son. Um, James, you remember Andreas. Now, the last time I saw Andreas, um, we were living in Atlanta, holding meetings in New Orleans, and when we'd get there, we'd walk in the door, and Andreas would go out the back door with his gym bag. Hi, Brother Ken. Bye, Brother Ken. Andreas, stay for church. Mm, not my bag. Got my bag, he used to say. Got my gym bag. So when I called him this week, I expected the same scenario. Well, I know for a fact that since the mid-90s when that happened, Andreas went through a very painful divorce. Very painful. I remember his mother calling and saying, please pray for Andreas. He's, he's, he needs our prayers. That's all I'm going to say. So I called Andreas. Uh, I texted Andreas, and, uh, and he didn't respond. And I thought, typical, he's, he's not going to respond. And then a day and a half later, like, I'm thinking, well, if we would have gotten together, it would have been tonight, Friday. He texts me and says, hey, thanks so much for reaching out. And I thought, here it comes. He said, we'll be there at 6. No, make it 7. So he shows up with this young lady. We had dinner. And during dinner, first of all, I'm in the lobby of the, um, what did I, where did I stay, Kevin? Waldorf Astoria. I was telling Kevin this morning. Gold everywhere. I was like, ooh. And he hears my voice in the lobby, and he comes over. He goes, Ken? I said, Andreas. I put up my hand. He hugged me, and I thought, this isn't even like a man hug, you know, where you keep your face away from the man's face. <laughs> He's got his cheek right next to mine. I said, Andreas. He said, I am so glad you called. my grace. I, I called his parents that night and I said to them, my grace is sufficient. You were faithful in prayer. Let me tell you what happened to me. That was one of the three times he hugged me during the night. The other two times was in the middle of a restaurant. I'm like, what is going on? During dinner as we were talking and I was getting to know his now fiance, he's going, I gave her a book. I said, oh, good. What book did you give her? American Indian Moses that my grandfather wrote. I said, OK. She, he said, so now I want you to tell her about the Lamanites. <laughs> I said, slow down. She's going, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> my grace is sufficient. I said to him, hey, so since I saw you last, your brother got baptized up in Tennessee. He's a professor at a college. He goes, yeah. He said, Ken, you know, since you saw me, I've been in a very dark place. I've done things I'm very ashamed of. And I says, well, you know, you don't have to carry that burden. And he leaned over to me. He said, it ain't going to be long. 
That was all I wanted to share with you today. God's grace is sufficient for any need that you or I have. So this morning as we're anointing people, I don't know if you saw it, but I went down. I went down to the ground because the surgery I had on my knee in August seems like it's now never happened. So I'm going back to the surgeon on Wednesday. Do I want to panic? Yes. Because I already did this. My grace is sufficient. May God bless you.